Are you ready for it? Welcome to Ready For It, a Taylor Swift podcast. I'm Chandler. I'm Rebecca. I'm Bailey. And I'm Lizzie. So be fearless. Speak now. Put on your favorite shade of red. While shaking it off in a getaway car. Because sometimes you need to calm down. And wrap yourself up in your favorite cardigan. To find some happiness. And listen as we talk about the iconic poet herself, Miss Swift. Wait. Okay. Actually, should we go right into introducing our special guests? Yeah. All right. So, everybody, we have a special guest with us today for our special episode. How many times can I say special in a sentence? Oh, my God. Take a shot every time Lizzie says special. (laughs) Okay. We have Stephen Sullivan, who is a junior at JMU, or James Madison University, Fun fact, I also, that was my first choice in college. I almost went there. I'm, I'm in Maryland right now. I almost went there. And when I saw that, I was like, no way. But he is also a huge Taylor Swift fan. Obviously, if you haven't seen his TikToks or his other socials, you probably know who he is. He absolutely has no qualification to talk about anything, <laughs> but he loves to do it anyway. And that's the kind of people we want on our podcast because that describes yeah. all of us. Yeah, <laughs> do we? You exactly. have qualifications that we have. I, I'm so excited. Well, welcome, Stephen. I'm so, thank you guys for asking me to do this. I'm seriously so excited to, to get to talk about this with people who care as much as I do. Like, <laughs> oh. I can only talk to my roommates so much about it. And they're like, okay, I get it. She released music. Please move on. This is like my poor fiance. He has to deal with me on the regular. Like, oh my God. And then this happened. And then this happened. And then, oh, this. And she, he's like, okay, what did Taylor Swift do today? And I'm like, you just don't understand. You're like, <laughs> don't not at that level. Like, Kelly and I were driving to the store and I kept covering up the thing to be like, what song is this? What song is this? And he's like, I don't know, something by Taylor Swift. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You are <laughs> he literally couldn't even name You Belong With Me. And what? he heard it. He heard it. He said, it's that. And I was like, say it. He's like, I don't remember what she said. And, I, and then she said it again. And I was like, and yeah, I don't know what she said. It's, it's whatever she just said. That's the name Kelly. of the song. I have to say, Adam is pretty good about being like, Adam yep, is pretty good. Yep, that's it. Like, we were making, I was making a TikTok for my top five rankings for debut. And he was like, I don't feel like you should wear that outfit. It's more reputation. It's more a, <laughs> only bought that dress so you could take it off. And I was Ooh. like, and I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I was impressed. That was, that's. I guess that's how you know it's love, you know? Yeah, no, Kelly completely, I was bamboozled. When we first started dating, it was when 1989 came out, and I was like, oh my god, do you like Taylor Swift? And he was like, yeah, her music's great, and he really just meant shake it off. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I feel like there's, like, tiers of being, like, a Taylor Swift fan. Like, there's, like, the basic where, like, I like, like, her pop hits, like, you know, her Shake It Off, or Me, Me, well, I, I actually really like, like me. me. I, I, I really too. like I me. Like me. I, I really like me. And me. Not my favorite, like, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Steve. I just bullied Jesse into it. Like, I mean, like, he likes Taylor Swift, but, like, the other day I was talking to him about some shit John Mayer pulled, and he was like, we don't like him, right? I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we would 
not like him even if he hadn't done what he did to Taylor Swift because he's a trash human being. Yeah. Well, that's mainly why I don't like him. I mean, like, obviously the defense of Taylor, but, like, he has, you know, just abused women for so long that, like, I just, I will never like the man. It's not like her other boyfriends where it's like, "Mm," you know, like, we they broke up. You know what I mean? Of course, I mean, y'all know I'm in love with Harry Styles, so it's different. That's the only only exception. (laughs) I I told Jesse he died. (laughs) I'm heading for Harry. (laughs) So, fun fact is, Stephen, your TikToks are kind of what gave me the idea for this podcast, because... Like, last July before Folklore, I think that's when, that's around the time when you started posting. I started seeing you on my For You page, and I would send your rankings to our group message, and we would do them, too. No way. Yeah. Yeah. So, I actually, I remember you did a ranking, and it was, like, it was a joke how you did the ranking. And I sent it to our group, and I was like, is he kidding me? And then they were like, no, wait, did you listen to the whole video? And I listened to the whole video, I was like, okay, wait, no, it's okay, I love him again, like, it's fine. Yeah, no, but, like, when you used to the tracks, like, when you would go, like, you would compare all, like, the track ones and track twos and stuff like that, I would send those because they would just come up on my For You page, and so I would send them to our group chat, and I would be like, let's do this, and then... Like, I don't know. We were kind of just, like, talking about Taylor Swift, like, obsessively. I don't know if... I'm not assuming that you've listened to any of our podcasts, but we were all supposed to go to Loverfest together, and that when that got postponed, we just ended up, like... The group chat came from our, like, we were going to, like, plan what we were going to wear and, like, stuff like that. And the group chat turned into us just, like, literally talking about Taylor Swift, like, obsessively every single day. And mind you, we are grown-ass 27- and 26-year-old women. (laughs) So uh, the podcast kind of feels like what came about from that. (laughs) Yes. Honestly, like, I get it. Like, it's so nice to have an outlet. It's just, it's nice to have a place to put all of that chaotic Taylor energy yeah, this is, I mean, it's it's really just fun. I mean, it's a lot of work, but it's super fun to just, like, every once in a while get to get on here and, like, just talk about Taylor Swift. Yeah. Okay, so let's, like, keep this podcast rolling as my type A personality comes out. So, first, before we do, like, next we're kind of going to talk about just, like, general thoughts about the re-recordings in general, but I found some quotes that just kind of talk about why Taylor Swift is doing this for people out there who don't know. Um, I would hope that people listening to a Taylor Swift podcast would know why Taylor Swift is re-recording her first six albums. I want to point some before you go. My aunt texted me today and was like, what's going on with Fearless? What's going on with Taylor Swift? I was like, what? <laughs> she was cute. And so I had to explain the whole thing. So you'd be surprised. And she listens to our podcast. So you'd be surprised. Love you, Aunt Chet, if you're listening. <laughs> okay, so I have some quotes. I'm not going to read. I pulled up her open letter that she posted on Tumblr in 2019. I'm not going to read all of it because that's a lot. And yeah, I'm just going to read some snippets and be like, this is the general idea. So Taylor said, for years I asked 
pleaded for a chance to own my work. Instead, I was given an opportunity to sign back up to Big Machine Records and earn one album back at a time, one for every new one I turned in. I walked away because I knew once I signed the contract, Scott Borchetta would sell the label, thereby selling me and my future. I had to make the excruciating choice to leave behind my past. Music I wrote on my bedroom floor and videos I dreamed up and paid for from the money I earned playing in bars, then clubs, then arenas, then stadiums. So obviously we know Scooter Braun is the one who was behind the original purchase of Big Machine and they don't have the best history. Taylor says, this is my worst case scenario. This is what happens when you sign a deal at 15 to someone for whom the term loyalty is clearly just a contractual concept. And when the man that says music has value, he means its value is beholden to men who hold no part in creating it. So those were really just the two big things that I wanted to touch on about why she is doing this. Obviously, we all know she just wants to own her life's work. Like this is her literal life's work. So, and a lot of people say that this is about her wanting money. A lot of people are saying that I saw some stuff about her wanting more Grammys or something like that. But yeah. She writes all of her own music. And I really think that's why this is so important to her because it's not some, this isn't music that the label wrote for her and she just sings. This is stuff that she writes and this is from her own experiences and from her own heart. And this is exactly what she is feeling in the moment. And instead of texting her friends or getting on a podcast, she writes songs. And that's how she deals with it in the moment. And I think this is why it's so important to her. And to be honest, it is important for artists who write their own music to own their own music. Yeah, Because they're doing it themselves. That's all of their hard work they're doing themselves. It's not just handed to them. It's It's not the typical Hollywood silver platter. It's their own personal blood, sweat, and tears. And that's why it's so important. Yeah, I agree. It's really heartbreaking to know that Taylor has always seen herself as a songwriter first. Like she said that several times and to have her be the not like sole songwriter on every song, but she has at least a songwriting credit. And we know as fans that, you know, she's like the brains behind the operation there, but she's got, she's written every single one, every single song on every single album and even the one song she has ever put on an album that was technically a cover. She changed it so much that they gave her a writing credit. So The fact that she's literally put all of that work and effort into her art the past, what, 15, 16 years now, only to have it snatched away from her and her, she's not able to, you know, say, I mean, she has a say because she has, she's still like got the publishing rights, but like, she doesn't have full control. She doesn't own them. It's heartbreaking. It makes me so upset. I like it so furious. That was like my note. I was just like, I'm just sad that she has to. Re-record in the first place, like it, it's it, it's still very frustrating. Even after having Fearless, the re-recorded version come out, like I'm still very devastated that it even has to happen. She's not just doing it for herself; she does it for other artists too, and she still isn't getting the credit for that. And that just it's it's frustrating as a fan, and I'm sure it's frustrating for her too. And I'm. I can only imagine that she feels a little maybe sad that she has to do this at all. Like, I mean, 
don't get me wrong, I love it. And I, as a fan, I love yeah. this. But as her, I can't imagine how she feels having to relive this all, all over again. It's just definitely bittersweet. Like, it was, it's a really cool experience to, like, hear this, this album again for the first time through her mature voice. But then, like, you think about the reason behind it and the reason why we have this. While I'm so grateful that we have this opportunity, it should have never happened this way. Yeah. And I give, I give major credit to the way that Taylor has handled, like, the release and the marketing of the album. Because it would have been so easy to do it from this, like, bitter, bitter lens. But she, like, all of her marketing for Fearless, and when she calls it Fearless Taylor's version, there's, like, nothing but joy there. And you've got to know that deep down she feels the same sadness that we're talking about, that she has to do this in the first place. But just the way that she's able to focus on the celebration of the fact that she gets to revisit these songs herself is, I don't know, it's just, it's really nice to know that while it is bittersweet, she's not letting that be the controlling factor for this. That's yeah. a really good point. Like, yeah. is, is her, like, you know, feelings about this are palpable, like, especially when we got My Tears Ricochet, just absolutely gut-wrenching and heart-wrenching. And, but, like, that's, that's such a good point, Stephen, because it's like, she's coming from this from such a mature perspective. Yeah, she's, she's been like dealt such a back, bad hand. She's taking back the narrative almost. Like she's not letting, she's not just rolling over and being like, okay, you can, you have all my work, everything I've ever worked for my entire life. Oh, well, like she's fighting and I love that. Okay. So she, Taylor released that open letter on June 30th, 2019. And then August 22nd, she said, uh, she went on Good Morning America to, for the release of Lover. And they interviewed her and asked if she was planning on re-recording because that was something like Kelly Clarkson had thrown that out there. A couple of other people had talked about it too. Um, and Taylor said, yeah, and that's something that I'm very excited about doing because my contract says that starting November 2020, so next year, I can record albums one through five all over again. I'm very excited about it. I think artists deserve to own their own work. I just feel very passionately about that. So she almost immediately was like, hell yes, I'm doing this. And I remember being so excited <laughs> when I was watching Good Morning America. I don't know about y'all, but I was like here for it. I was like, Absolutely, because I don't I know. So hard to go to that like. I remember game. that. Yeah, I was almost going to. Do you yeah. remember? Yeah, I do. And then we, we tried to do it, and we just we couldn't. It was so hard to get tickets. Yeah, it wouldn't have worked. So then the only other quote that I have um, from Taylor specifically is actually from today when she did the interview with People. I don't know if you guys have even seen that yet, because. <laughs> So she did an interview with people and they kind of, it's very short. It's like a minute and 40 seconds. She literally says like three sentences the whole time. I was kind of like, dang, I was hoping this will be a little bit, a bit, a little bit more than that. I want to hear more from her. But she said, and this is about fearless and like the process of re-recording. She said, I really wanted to stay very loyal to the initial melodies that I had thought of for these songs. But if there was any way that we could improve upon the sonic quality of it, we did. I did go in line by line and listen to every single vocal, you know, um, what are my inflections here? If I could improve upon it, I did. I really did want this to be very true to what I'd initially thought of and what I'd initially written, but better, obviously. 
So, and I know about you guys, but I think she really did that. Like, obviously, her voice has changed. It's way more mature. She's not 17, 18. She was probably like 18 when she recorded this album. So she's not 18 years old anymore. But even the quality of the production on this album, it's it's way sharper. It's way clearer. I agree. So I actually have in my notes when we go to actually dive right into it, but I say that her inflections are different. And I don't I don't think they're bad, but they're definitely different. But now it almost gives me a new perspective. Hearing you say that gives me a new perspective yeah. on why she did it. So now I feel like while it's not the original Fearless album with the original inflections we had, it's it's almost a little bit more personal because she I now know that she took the time and listened line by line and decided to make that change based on how she felt it could have been better or could have been worse. And I kind of I kind of like that. Now I have I feel like now, know, now all every- of my appreciations and everything I had to say is completely nothing. I, I was like, scratch all of my notes now because <laughs> right? Taylor, you should have shared that earlier. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it's hearing that like how in depth she went into with exploring the specific like the specific sentences and structure of each song it makes me almost curious because most of the things that I've seen today from people who are like, oh, I prefer the original version to this version for this specific reason, a lot of it I feel like is driven by sentimental value. Oh, yeah. I would be so curious to hear someone who has never heard Fearless, never heard the album, listen to her original version and then listen to the Taylor's version that we just got today and see what that reaction is. Someone who has none of this like baggage, for lack of a better term, of listening to these songs and p- building these connections. Because I feel like if all of that, and granted connection is one of the most important parts of music, but I feel like if you were to just scrub it clean of that connection, it would be so interesting to see, did she make those improvements in the way she wanted to? Because I have a feeling she did. Yeah, well, so it's so funny because all four of us have been fans since debut. So we were all there for the release of Fearless the first time around. And we were all 14, about to turn 15 years old. So we've talked before about how emotionally attached we are to this album because of how important it was to us in our formative years. But I've never thought about like the fact that there's... New, there's like people out there who are going to hear Fearless Taylor's version and it's going to be the first time they've ever heard this album. Like the people who maybe were really young or not even born with when Fearless came out or the people who didn't discover her until like 1989 and then just haven't like thought to go back to her back catalog, which happens more often than not, which surprises me. But that's such an interesting take. I agree. I would love to hear somebody talk about it who would who has no connection to the original version because yeah, i've heard people say and like tell me that they became fans with folklore or with lover or something when they knew that this re-recording this was going to be happening and so they made the conscious decision not to go back and listen to her stuff and they've just been listening to lover through evermore and surviving off that and they're going to wait for the re-recordings to hear this stuff for the first time And that's just insane to me that like this version of Fearless is someone's first version. I love it. 
I do. Yeah. I was going to say, like, I technically, I was talking to Bailey earlier, and I was like, technically, I have two different types of rankings now. I have, like, rankings based on my sentimental, like, these songs relate to me in some sort of way. And then I have rankings based on, like, the actual song quality, like vocals and instrumentals and overall production. Now, if you ask me what those rankings were, I could not tell you because I honestly, like, have to listen to it more to, like, actually figure it out because there's, it's hard. It's really hard to do. Yeah. But, like, I have my old sentimental, you know, from the original Fearless, like, I have that done, but I have a whole new ranking system now, and we'll get to that later. But I never thought that I would have, like, like two different lists, essentially, but now I do. Yeah, but kind of going off of what you said, Liz, like, it was already hard enough to do rankings for each album because it's it's hard to say I like this song over another because personally, I don't think she has a bad song. I mean, mm-hmm. there are songs that I would skip, but I yeah. wouldn't say they're bad songs. Yeah, I mean, the songs that I skip, I still think they're better than half the things anybody else is releasing. Yes. So that's my point, and it's like, now this re-recording makes it even harder to do a ranking at all. Even if we're just ranking all of track ones, like, how am I, supp- how am I supposed to choose? How, out? like, I just, it I makes know. it that much harder to do the ranking. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I've always thought that people who write, who tried to rank, like, all, every, the, Steven, I know you've done this. Rank every single song she's ever released are psychopaths. I couldn't I don't know do how it. they do it. I could I like change my rankings every day and that's just for, yeah. like my top 10. Like I can't what? do it. I can't. Doing the discography ranking took years off my life. I said because when I when I did it the first time, I used the Tumblr song sorter. And that's out there where, like, you just pick which one you prefer until it generates a list for you. And the top and the bottom are accurate. (laughs) But the whole middle is just a muddled mess of songs that you're indifferent on. So the second time that I did her whole discography, I sat down and I listened from Tim McGraw all the way to, what, It's Time to Go is the last song on Evermore? Mm -hmm. In order, I listened to them. And every time a song ended, I, like, integrated it into a spreadsheet. And I was like, okay, where would I fit it among what I've already listened to? And that was how I did it. And it took 10 hours over three days. And it was awful. And, like, two days later, the list was already different. So, How is yeah, that even okay? I, no. No. Um, attention, all... Uh, 100 of our listeners, um, if you're not following Steven on TikTok, this man puts way, way more than he should into his content, and it is excellent. And you should reward him by following him. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes, that is more than I could do. I couldn't do it. Okay, so Steven, what were your initial, like, reactions after listening to Fearless Taylor's version? I'll be honest. The first thought I had when it ended was, oh my god, I'm so tired. That was almost two hours long. I need to go to bed. Right? (laughs) After I got into bed and I was able to lay there and think about it, I was just kind of like, damn, she really did that. Like, she really, she went in that studio and she poured her heart, like, you can hear 
her heart and soul in every single line of these songs. There's nothing that she half-assed. There's nothing that she didn't give her all to. Like, she went in there and she was like, I have to make it mine. Okay, cool, bet, I'll do it. I'm going to make it mine. I'm going to make it the best it's ever been. Yeah. And I just, also, the vault songs, like, I understand. I can understand if you're Scott Borchetta 15 years ago, looking at it from the business angle of, like, you can't just release an entire album of breakup songs, Taylor. You need to cut something. I get it. Do I resent it? Absolutely. Yeah. They're so good. Mr. Perfectly Fine. Mr. Perfectly Fine is a fucking bop. And I don't want to get started on it because I do not think it's about Joe Jonas and I will fight people over that. So I'm not going to get started on it. But I don't know why she didn't put that on the album to begin with. I literally, that's in my notes. Uh, when I was going over the song, I was like, I feel like I was robbed from this. Like, this should have yeah. been on the original version. It fits yeah. fearless perfectly. Yeah. It, it really just, does. Yeah. It belongs, like, it truly, that's, like, the one vault song that I, like, really feel like I, I listen to and I'm like, this this sounds exactly like something that should have been on the Fearless album. Like, whoever said no to this, what the fuck? And yeah. it's, you know, in our previous episodes where we talk about you know, some of her debut songs, and we're saying it's such a sad song, but it's so upbeat. That's exactly what this is. And, you know, we said it in debut, and we're going to say it again when we record our Fearless episodes, but that's still so indicative of an early Taylor Swift. But and she still does, does that. Like, right where you left me, that is... Yeah, oh. I, I sent that TikTok. Somebody made a TikTok of, like, right where... Oh yeah, and Mr. Perfectly Fine have the same kind of vibe, and they definitely do. I feel. I like. agree. Yeah, they do. I mean, I gotta say, my first reaction, I was so nervous. Like, I've said it a million times. I am emotionally attached to the original version, like severely emotionally attached to everything about it. When Love Story came out, I literally was like, this is so good, but I still am glad that I'm a millennial and I listen to CDs so that I can still listen to the original, which I will say, I, I, the only time I have listened to the original of Love Story has been Friday, uh, Thursday when I was like listening to all of Fearless, Get Myself Ready, but I was really nervous. I was really nervous. There was sometimes when I was like, like scared like listening because it's so different like my very first I remember last night when I was texting you guys I was like fearless has started like because I don't know about you Steven but we were all trying to listen on Spotify and Apple Music and it was not working at midnight I don't know what I did to get I don't know what the universe did for me last night to make me the luckiest person on the face of the (laughs) earth at 12 midnight and 15 seconds I opened Spotify I had, like, the ad for it at the top of Spotify. I clicked on it. I clicked play, and it worked. And I was live for it. And so people in the chat, they were like, I can't hear it. I can't play. It's not on Apple Music. Spotify won't load. I don't have it. And I was like, I don't know. I'm listening to Fearless. Like, yeah. Uh, she literally she literally broke Spotify for about 15 to 20 minutes. So many people we're trying to get on it. I finally like Chandler and I were about a song and a half apart when we yeah. were listening. Cause we were texting back and forth and she's like, Oh my God, wait until you listen to white horse. And I'm like, wait, <laughs> wait, I'm not there yet. I'm almost there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
But yeah, no, it took so long. I was like so nervous to begin with. Not that I thought it was going to be bad. Obviously I did not think it was going to be bad at all, but I was just so nervous. And then the fact that I kept like refreshing Spotify. And at one point I got like the album to like show up, but I couldn't click it. It would like load and it would be like something went wrong. And then it, I mean, it was only like three minutes and then I got it to play. And as soon as Fearless started playing, as soon as she started singing, I was like, oh my God, it's so different. Yeah. But it's not that. It's just so different. I guess my initial reaction was like, I listened through it thinking about the original like versions. So there are like some songs where there are like, she's got like, she even said she's got different inflections. There are some songs like um, The Other Side of the Door and like The Way I Loved yeah. You where yeah, she like leaves work out. I felt like some of her like big like emotion. Like, like forever and always, not the piano version, but the not non-piano version. The it, original. Like, I was expecting it to be like, I don't know, because I Fearless was the first concert I saw of Taylor, and like that performance is like, it's like it's, it's almost like picture to burn, where like it's like you feel that like emotion that she's like she's mad, she's you know, but she's like expressing herself, and I just feel like. For those songs, like The Way I Loved You, The Other Side of the Door, Forever and Always, to me, just were, they were, like, lacking that emotion to me. Like, it, it, so, it, it, I, I feel like, I feel like, like talked, and I think it's because, like, what we were saying earlier, is, like, it's because Taylor now is in, like, a happy place. Oh, yeah. And when she was originally recording these songs... She was, you know, a young kid who was, like, experiencing heartbreak, and, you know, she barely touched life. Like, she was just starting out. And, and that emotion, that emotion on Forever and Always was fresh. That was, yes. you know, straight fresh. off the break. She wrote and that song. In last minute, this is it, and, you know, she's angry, and she's upset, and she's hurt, and yes. you can feel that. Yes. I just feel like but, I couldn't, and I was expecting that. You know, like, I was expecting when I heard these songs that are, like, really, like, upbeat. I mean, it was still good. Don't get me wrong. Like, it was still very, her vocals are phenomenal. Way more clear. The instrumentals were unbelievable. Like, everything was great. But it just wasn't, it was just, like, almost there, like, to the to the original. Like, it just, you know what I mean? Like, am I the only one that feels that way? Because. So, <laughs> I agree. But specifically, I agree with Forever and Always and then the piano version of Forever and Always. And I think that the reason that is, is what Bailey said. She wrote Forever and Always. She and Joe Jonas were not even broken up yet. They were still technically together. <laughs> she was actively experiencing heartbreak, watching him fade away yes. from her. And if Joe Jonas did that to me. Hell yes, I would be just as upset. I think it's so funny because obviously we're like elderly millennials. We're not elderly. We're young millennials. But we feel elderly when we're on TikTok. Um, or at least I do. I don't know about you guys. But when I'm on TikTok and I see people being like Harry Styles and like Taylor Swift, our mom and dad. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Joe Jonas and Taylor Swift. <laughs> 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 Joe Jonas, like that's the one of her heartbreaks that I didn't get over for a really long time. <laughs> And I think it's because I also thought I was going to marry a Jonas brother. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, I think that it's just because when she recorded Forever and Always, the heartbreak was so fresh. Like, she 
she was furious. She was angry. You can feel the rage yeah. in the first yeah. one. And then, like, every time that she's performed that. And then this is, like, kind of related, but kind of not. We obviously know that Last Kiss is about Joe Jonas as well, because the secret message in that song is Forever and Always. And we know that Forever and Always is about Joe Jonas. But when I went to, because I didn't get to go to Fearless Tour, but I did get to go to Speak Now. And when she sang Last Kiss, the, like, heart, I could feel the heartbreak from that I song and I think that. that we know that she told she said in an interview in 2008 that Joe Jonas was her first real heartbreak like her first true love real heartbreak yes they were kids technically they were 18 they were so young but that was her first real experience with like just like gut-wrenching heartbreak and so I think it's just natural for her to not feel that rage anymore because they're friends yeah, absolutely. like they've been friends for a while I think it's like I think it's good that like she isn't it would be concerning if she was like still expressing that like emotion to the point that, that, that she was into when she first recorded it because it'd be like okay Taylor is there something you're not telling us but no <laughs> she's no happy. she's happy she's with she's with Joe Alwyn now she's happy they're doing perfectly fine she's not angry with Joe Jonas anymore she's sending his baby presents right exactly so something so I that absolutely. I found that like really resonated with me when listening to this album again is that I kind of felt like she was reading diary entries as a 31 year old woman you know looking back and kind of like reading those diary entries versus when we first got this album she was writing those diary entries you know and so it kind of like explains a little bit more like that like lack of emotion that we're not used to um, because, again, she's not experiencing this Raleigh anymore, you know, and we've talked about that. She's in a much better place, which is amazing. That's I could not want anything more for her than her to yes. actually be happy, be at peace, be with somebody who's stable and supportive and loving because she deserves the world. Yeah. Taylor, are you yeah. listening? We want you to be happy. That's all we want. So I actually, I saw on TikTok actually earlier today, and to be honest, I don't remember whose TikTok it was, and I wish I could remember so I could call them out, but they were saying that their new favorite song on Fearless, Taylor's version, was Today Was a Fairy Tale. And it's because you can hear the happiness in her voice because she's actually living that fairy tale that she wrote about 13 years ago. You know, 13 years later, she's actually living it. And it means so much more because it's actually happening now. And maybe the reason we're not getting the emotion and some of the angry or some of the, you know, breakup songs that we related to Joe Jonas or that we speculated were about Joe Jonas is because she's she's not in that place anymore. She's not unhappy. She's not angry. She's not upset. She's not hurt. She's happy that. Her current relationship is a fairy tale, and that's why we can hear the emotion differently. That's honestly like that explain that take on today was a fairy tale explains so much because from the first note of today was a fairy tale all the way to like the last the resolution of the song, I had a huge smile on my face. Yes, one song just was beaming while I was listening to, and like that thought of because. It is truly like the happiest song on Fearless now, which also love that it's on Fearless now. It just, I don't know. It just, that makes so much sense. Like the happiness that it radiated 13 years ago and now the happiness that she's radiating with it, it just Mm -hmm. works. I agree. 
it's interesting so Steven, like, I do want to say that at first my feelings were a little hurt that for today was a fairy tale is on fearless and like crazier is not but then we found out that crazier she doesn't like big machine label like doesn't have any like stake in that i think yeah because she did it for the hannah montana soundtrack but my feelings were so hurt because i was like today was a fairy tale was great but hannah montana movie was way better than valentine's day oh hands down and crazier i i like i mean i like listen i have an emotional and <laughs> attachment to crazier we just yeah i love crazier it's like it's in my like top i guess if i were to say i wouldn't say it's in my top 10 but it's in my top 20 for sure but today was it's interesting what today was a fairy tale because that was a song that she wrote for you know a soundtrack for a movie essentially so like write this like ideal version of what love of what you think that love should be and then you actually live it and it's like, oh my god, my life is like a fairy tale, or even better, like it's real. Yeah. You know, all the bad things, all the good things, like you know, it it's real, and that's awesome. I'm like really like that makes me really emotional. I'm gonna like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just feel like it's so different, and I know that we're gonna get into this, but it's so different listening to her songs years ago and then listening to her songs now because 13 years have passed yeah so it's all of these life experiences now that we've experienced that we may not have experienced 13 years ago are now deciding factors in what our rankings and or what our feelings are to these songs so to kind of bounce off like what you're saying about this being 13 almost like yeah like almost 13 years later after she wrote the songs and like released this album you know she was 18 years old she's 31 now when I was listening to like fearless and 15 I was sitting there like I kind of miss like the youthful quality of her voice from the original yeah because she just she was she had this very like she sounds so much younger basically that's all I'm trying to say but I really like the kind of contrast between her 31 year old voice and like her 18 year old voice and to hear her sing a song like 15 like I remember when 15 came out and I like obviously knew Taylor Swift was only 18 and I was like well she's only like three years older than that so she's super smart to know that like to have learned these lessons and be able to like articulate it at such a young age, but she's still so young. I feel like it hits different when she's 31 because she's experienced way more, so much more because when this is coming out, she just had just a little taste of basically what the media was going to throw at her and everything that she has experienced since then. I could feel that in this version of 15. Yes. The same thing with superstar for me yes like when she says I'm no one special you know just another wide-eyed girl kind of thing and you're just like and and if you just like want to hug baby Taylor I mean obviously she's 31 now so like it's like she's looking back at this and it from a totally different perspective but it's like if only she knew (laughs) because I was listening to 15 and I had the same thoughts Taylor and I was like not to be petty but you know, there are some people whose greatest accomplishment in life is dating the guy on the football team. <laughs> like, I, they peak in high school and that's it. Like, it, it's way, it, it, that's a very much a small town thing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that, like you peak in high school and like, and we're from South Carolina. <laughs> like, uh, South Carolina. So, <laughs> but, you know, like, <laughs> we see that kind of stuff. Like, there's so many people Chandler and I went to high school with and we're like, yeah, you, 
you hit your peak there. And that's like their greatest thing that they can ever say. And now they're in an MLM, like, you know, pyramid scheme. I will be fair and say that I, I did marry the boy on the football team, just not my football team. So yeah, but, but it was, it's different. And like, just to like, look back and see that, like, because Fearless, if you guys think about it, that was her first album, like where she was able to do the full album drop, the full promotional tour for it. The first full, like in the first full experience, she didn't obviously get that with debut. And then with debut success, they bumped her up. And then of course we know Fearless's success is amazing. But like, I remember seeing a picture of her and her mom in an elevator today earlier. I saw it on the internet somewhere and it was like the night before Fearless, like dropped when they were in the elevator together and it's like if only she knew like what was coming and like you know you'll do greater things than dating the boy on the football team but like miss girl holds like how many guinness world records yeah taylor definitely did do greater she overcompensated so that (laughs) was really that's really how i felt i almost listening to it last night at 12 30 in the morning um i just felt like it was when she said that piece of it because i have been listening to taylor since debut and i know everything that she's been through and i you know i watched the miss americana documentary it's just that line in 15 where you'll do more than dating the boy on the football team is almost like a feminist like stand you're worth more than who you're dating you're worth more than who you love and I I just when I listened to that line in 15 I just it like it really broke my heart to be honest it's just you know you listen to this 13 years ago when this was released it was yeah like oh this this was what we were doing at 15 we were just dating boys on the football team and now at 31 that that's not what we're doing anymore like you're not you're not worth who you're dating you're not worth who you love you're you're worth your own person and it really hits differently also i feel like the fact that she didn't change the songs makes it so much more exciting because i'm sure 31 year old taylor would have found a way more sophisticated complex folklore evermore-esque way to say you'll do better things than dating the guy on the football team but instead she has to go back and take that line that she wrote at 18 and load it with all of this life experience she doesn't get to add a new verse for what she's learned since then same thing with the best day i saw someone like oh my gosh what if she adds a verse about having the best day now that she's like in her 20s or in her 30s and i was like but she's not changing it she it's up to her to load this life experience into these words that are already there and that was so exciting to listen to the best yes so i like fight people before fearless even was announced i would like really argue with people about the fact that she was not going to change anything because that would defeat the purpose of her like re-recording her like she wants to own the masters she wants to own her masters and to do that she has to make soundalikes of the originals so i feel really validated that she didn't change a whole lot like literally it's like microscopic changes but i i love what you said about her kind of showing what she's learned through these words that she wrote when she was so young and i just i mean i have to point out the fact that when we were 14 and we were 15 and like this album came out it was pretty important it was really 
I think it was good for me to hear you'll in life, you'll do things greater than dating the boy on the football team. Like even if she could say that in a better way now, I'm glad she didn't change it because <laughs> that's still like a worthy message for like young girls. Cause they are just young people in general. Like you're going to do better things than like dating someone who's cool or popular in high school. Like there's way more important things in life. And like, as someone who was obsessed with a boy on the football team, I felt like she was talking to me in, in like 2008, 2009, when I was literally turning 15. So I'm glad that she didn't change it. One, because that means that I was right all along that she's not going to change anything. But two, it's still such a good message, even if it's not quite as, I don't know, like poetic. I mean, it's still poetic, but it's just not quite how we... It's not eloquent. Yeah, I mean, it's eloquent in a way. Like, it's, it's direct and it's to the point. She was very direct about the song 15. Like, there were, like, no holds barred on that song. So, I mean, I'm glad she kept it. And I hope that every single re-recording is similar and we get these nice, fresh, new takes on songs she wrote when she was as young as 12 and 13 years old. But she's still able to put all of her life experiences into it. So, Liz and I, actually, our senior year of high school, we performed the best day at our parent senior appreciation night we yes. sang it on stage so bailey and i were really big in like musical theater and uh theater in high school so and to be honest i was the most excited to hear this re-recording because it's like you know 13 years ago this is what she had experienced or you know however long ago she wrote this this is what she had experienced but now maybe even 15 years later she's now having to to re-record this and re-sing this under different circumstances. And I just, and to be honest, I was not disappointed. I, this song, listening to the best day Taylor's version, I was a puddle. Yeah, I, I just, the, I was like, not when okay. Bailey and I performed that song back in 2012 when we graduated from high school, we you didn't have to say all that. <laughs> you know, it make us really old. Okay. Anyways, yes. We performed it. We couldn't even get through, like, the second or the first verse. Like, we were crying. Because we're singing in front of, like, all of the parents of the senior class. And they're all crying. My dad recorded it. And I don't even know where that recording is. It's He's somewhere. in tears. He deleted Everybody it. Everybody is no crying. Exists. Like, it was so emotional. And then when I heard the re-record, like, it, it kind of gives me the same vibes of, like, soon you'll get better. Like, it, and you think about that, like, ugh, like, the, her relationship with her mom. Like, it just... It's so precious. It is. <laughs> so I will say that real quick before Rebecca says what she wanted to say, the best day is... Okay, when I say that it's one of my least favorite songs on the album, I don't mean I don't like it. I don't mean it's not good. Like, just something's got to be at the bottom, you know? So... That's one of, that's probably one of my bottom songs, but I was so impressed with Taylor's version of this song. Uh, I think it sounds the truest to the original out of all of the songs on the album. I was shocked. I was like, am I, what am I listening to? Is this the original version or is this Taylor's version? Like, what am I listening to? She did an excellent job of, I guess, mimicking her 18-year-old voice, but also just keeping in that, like, emotion that was in the original song. Like, you, we all know how much she loves her mom, how much her mom means to her. Literally, this song was so good, and I was like, I think that's, like, a testament to her, like, her love for her mom. Like, it's all still 
the same and everything that her mom is going through right now it's it's probably super fresh and so the song probably still takes on like if not the same meaning as it did when she was 18 then at least a similar one so i was extremely impressed with taylor's version of the best day yes bex did you want to oh i was just gonna say like in a general like so this i don't know you'll probably have to cut this out (laughs) um i think one of the reasons that this album is so special is because not only is it a coming of age album because she's had a couple of coming of age albums i would say 1989 is almost like a coming of age album in the sense of where she found her footing you know she moved out of her parents house moved to new york besides the point she moved out of her parents house when she wrote speak now thank you very much because that's what never grow up was about Yes. True, but but she yes. also like moved yes. and like Never moved to New York into a yeah. brand new city like by herself cut off her hair started straightening it anyways that's besides the point I think one of the reasons this album is so special is because this is the last chance we have to look at Taylor before she was catapulted into international stardom because that's exactly what happened with Fearless this is what really put her on the map internationally speaking and her life was irrevocably changed after this album was released because it was just an automatic hit on the amount that of weeks that it spent on the charts and we see this last chance at this looking at her life through that innocence normal teenager with lens before she became like a full-on celebrity and at that point she was America's sweetheart back before the media like decided to demonize her and she couldn't have like a semblance of a normal life anymore and so it's really nice to look at this album from that kind of like lens of having that normal like high school experience and being able to relate to it in that way okay so obviously we're all going to answer this question but Steven what is your favorite song on Fearless, Taylor's version, and why? Okay, that question is practically impossible. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to do my best to pick one. Because I have a list of five sitting in front of me. And I've been sitting here this whole time knowing you were going to ask this question. And I was like, okay, I have to narrow it down to one. And based just on how caught off guard I was by how much I enjoyed it, because I've always enjoyed this song, but I was listening to it and I was just like, this is so good. I'm gonna go with Tell Me Why. Yes! yes! Okay, I am a like OG Tell Me Why stan. Like from the beginning, it's always one of my top songs. I think in my like current rankings, I have it as number two behind Fearless. I am so glad you said that because honestly, let me read you my notes from from like my first reaction to tell me why because i was like shook i said oh my god vocals seriously this is giving me serotonin definitely my favorite so far almost sounds better with her updated vocals her delivery on this song was so powerful and so you, good. Just, you just it was that scream in the car yes. with your windows okay. down anthem yes and you just first of all oh my god i heard this song for the first, when I first heard it this morning, because I was a terrible Taylor Swift fan, I fell asleep at like 11.55 last night, like literally <laughs> like, what the fuck, but anyways, I tried really hard, I'm just, I go to bed really early nowadays, I heard this song when I was in the shower this morning, I was playing the album, this was my first reaction, I was like belting in the shower, and I was like, Oh my god, it sounded, to me, this song sounded very similar to the original one. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And like, you know how I was saying, like earlier I was saying like how like a lot of the, like like the way I loved you forever and always, the other side of the door, like a lot of those like upbeat bops that she had in, in Fearless sounded like the emotion wasn't really there. This one, I felt like the emotion was very much there. And my notes for this, when I listened to it a second time was, I'm done, deceased. And I said this one was similar <laughs> to the first version and I could tell her emotion was here. I did say, however, that I felt like the ending of this song was lacking this, I don't know. I don't know why I wrote this note. I guess I have to re-listen to why I wrote it in the first place. I said it was like lacking something, but I still felt like it was really good. Yeah. Uh, no, literally at the very the, the third chorus. One thing I've always loved about this song is how she's changed. She changed the first chorus is different from the second chorus, and then she merges them together for the like final chorus. And then in this version, the way that she sings in the final chorus, you tell me that you love me. Oh, oh it was so good. I was okay, like in I, the shower, like, tell me why. <laughs> I loved this song. I've always loved this song. I was so happy to hear this version of it. So yeah, I've always, always loved the like strong fiddle line that and and it's just it's such a good just like repeated line of music. And listening to Taylor's version, I could hear it in the background a lot more throughout the song because yeah. I always remember on the original version, it's in the beginning. And then it's in between the first chorus and the second verse. And then it's after the second chorus. And like, that's where you get that line. But here there were moments where she was singing and I was like, oh man, I hear it behind her. Like it's there the whole time, which I feel like added to the build of the song. The instru- Just the instrumentation in general on the whole record was so much stronger, but on Tell Me yeah, Why. Yeah, it was a lot clearer, like yeah. every song. I know you said you had, like, a couple that you thought would be your favorite. Were there any others you wanted to mention? I mean, going into the album, Fearless was my favorite. Fearless is my favorite song from Fearless. It's so good. The bridge, I, like, you pull me in and I'm a little more brave. It's the first kiss. It's flawless, really something. It's fearless. Who let her say that? Like, oh, my God. Um, And so hearing that was really just... Ooh, it was so good. Yeah. Everything that I wanted from it. Um, and then today was a fairy tale. I already talked about today was a fairy tale. And so I won't do it again. But oh my gosh, the smile that was on my face. I just, so good. So, but it's also like, she gave us 26 songs. And even oh my God, three yes. of them pop. Like, it's so hard. Yeah, I mean, I guess like literally trying to pick a favorite is so hard because so many of them were so good. I mean, obviously I knew they were so good, but I was really impressed with White Horse. Hey, Steven is one of my OG faves. Yeah. Jump Then Fall. I think I'm going to have to say it's Tell Me Why. It was excellent. Everything about that song was everything that I was hoping and expecting it to be. I was actually, I was surprised. So my... Originally, my favorite song on Fearless was Fearless. After listening to Tell Me Why, I was just so... And I just feel like it changed because, you know, when I was listening to this 13 years ago, it was the whole hopeless romantic thought. Like, I want a guy to dance with me in the pouring rain when I'm in my best dress, and that's what I want, and that's what I want everything to be, and so that's why it's Fearless. But now it's like, 
okay, like that's that's not gonna happen. <laughs> so what actually is your favorite song? And it's just for tell me why. It's like you've been through what she's talking about in the song. And so it's just that much more relatable and the way that she sings it, you can feel it. And we talked about before how we can't feel the emotion in some of those other songs because she's not in that place. But in Tell Me Why, you can feel that emotion. And it really hit me and it really changed. Now, I do feel like Fearless is still like definitely at least number three, because to be honest, I can't choose between Tell Me Why and White Horse, but... White just, Horse was really good. It was. And I just, it's so hard to choose, especially because, like we talked about, we have two different rankings. We have a sentimental ranking and we have a what we can actually relate to ranking. But tell me why Taylor's version, like, actually changed my life. <laughs> <laughs> tell me why has always resonated with me. Just even when I was... 14 years old, never had a boyfriend, just had, you know, my heart broken by people who didn't give me the time of day. I always really resonated with this song because even when I wasn't the kind of person who was like not going to let people walk all over me, I wanted to be the kind of person who was not going to let people walk all over me. So, okay, my favorite song is White Horse, which is surprising because Fearless was my favorite song, but I feel like well, actually, it's a tie between White Horse and Mr. Perfectly Fine, because, okay. I don't know, I just feel like Mr. Perfectly Fine should have been, like, we talked about this earlier, and I feel like that would have been one of my favorites <laughs> back in when I first heard the original Fearless. So, actually, the first time I, I heard, or the second time I heard this, I thought that it was You're Not Sorry, so you can basically revoke my Swifty card now because <laughs> what the heck. I was like, listen, I was like, okay. And I typed like, You're Not Sorry for my notes. And I was like, wait a second, this is not You're Not Sorry. And then she started to actually sing the chorus. And I was like, what is wrong with me? Um, but I just feel like what we were saying before about her inflections, how they're, how they've changed. And there was a part when she goes like, the honestly believed there's like a brief little pause before in you. And I don't know if you guys, like when you guys listen again, pay attention to it because it took me a couple of re-listens to hear it. But like that little pause and that like how like the little, little microscopic changes she made in this song is why it's my number one. I don't know what it, like it just like, I could feel it. I could feel what she was writing about. Like I, I could... Ugh, even more so than the original version. And maybe it's because, like, I kind of caught the tail end of what you were saying. Like, I have experienced heartbreak now at age 26, whereas, like, before in high school, like, I didn't really know what heartbreak was about. And so I can relate more to it, but I don't know. Like, because I feel like back when I was saying about my rankings, like, my original rankings, like, they were based on my emotional, like, sentimental attachments to the songs. And now it's different. Now it's, like, I don't know. Like, it's, like, a mix between sentimental and, like, how it's actually produced. Yeah. So. No, I definitely agree with that because, I mean, we've already said it, but the production quality in this version, it's just, it's, it's, it's top notch. Like, it's top tier. Sorry, Nathan Chapman. We we love you, but 
the production is just so much better. <laughs> it's so clear and like I I don't know I can't. It's like I just think this is like, the version we were meant to have. Like <laughs> yeah, I agree, and it also kind of goes back to what to the quote you were talking about earlier, Chandler, where she says she went through every line and every lyric and every sentence. Like this is to me, it's almost like if she could do this all over again, this is what she would do. And, and that's what she did. And that's what's so amazing is that we get to see two sides of fearless Taylor and we'll get to see two sides of debut Taylor and two sides of all of the re-recordings that she does. And I, love that because it's so different you know when she was with big machine that was you know so long ago and now she's grown up and she's gone through all of these life experiences and she's experienced so much and it's so different from what she originally experienced and I mean we're getting back to the first question about the general re-recordings but that's what I love about fearless Taylor's version in general it's like you get to relive this all over again with these new experiences and these new ideas in mind. Bex, what's your what's your favorite song? Probably 15. It used to be The Way I Loved You, and I didn't feel the same emotion in the re-recording, and we've already talked about that, so I won't beat a dead horse. But probably 15. I've been focusing a lot. Like, this past year has been really hard on me, and y'all might, you know, I know Chandler knows a lot about that with everything that I've gone through, but I also went through like a lot in high school. There was one week right after we graduated that I got into a car accident. I was diagnosed with endometriosis. My mom had a breast cancer scare and then both my parents lost their jobs like in the same week. But like I can like go through my high school years and I had like really traumatic events and things happen to me every year and it affected me for like a really long time. And after this year with like my depression getting really bad after my miscarriage and like all that stuff with the pandemic, I've been like trying to process through like a lot of like that trauma and stuff and like toxic relationships maybe that I've held on to like friendship wise, you know, things like that. And so being able to look back on this song with fondness in a different sentimental way has like been like really special for me. But I will say on a totally different, like not as sad note, You're Not Sorry really surprised me because I don't know if you guys remember, probably not, but it was pretty far down. Well, not. It was like halfway down my list in my rankings on my original like fearless rankings that we did earlier this week. I listed it at number 11 out of 19 and I just found it to be so much more haunting. Taylor's version. That was like the word that I wrote down was like haunting when I listened to it. It was so much more clear. And again, I think it has to do with Nathan Chapman not being on those vocals in the backgrounds of a lot of these songs as to why we have like a clear, you know, Taylor, which I love. It's bittersweet again, because like I'm so used to just hearing that when I hear Fearless, but it's been so nice to hear her voice and be able to hear it so crisp and clear and hear the maturity in it. But you're not sorry. I just found to be so haunting. It was really good. One of the things that I said about you're not sorry is that her lower register when she's like, because she says she sings O a lot in that song. But you know what I'm talking about. But her lower register in the O's, she's really developed. Like she is, my girl is an alto. Like let's give her. Like her lower register has become so, like it's, it's heavenly. That's like the word. Like it, I mean, it's haunting for sure, which, oh my God, that makes me think I can't wait for haunted. 
cannot Same. wait for Haunted. But, like, her lower register is just, it sounds, it's heavenly to me. It's everything. I love it. So I totally get that. Well, like, in the original You're Not Sorry, like, the first cor- the first verse, it almost has, like, an echoey tone yeah, to it in the original you know what I'm talking about yeah. this she got rid of that completely and it's just so crisp and clear and like you said you know back when she was recording fearless and like in her younger years she was a mezzo and she has fully developed obviously we all get older and our like you know our voices like deepen but she went from being a mezzo to like an alto but also, her vocal range has gotten Yeah. Incredible. I mean, I guess I can't, like, really say that she's an alto because <laughs> I don't understand enough about, like, vocal she is an ranges. Alto. But, she, but she can hit those high notes. I mean, like, don't blame me. We all know. Steven, if you don't know, I am a rep simp. Like, I love reputation more than anything else on the planet. And Don't Blame Me is my number one song ever. I could not rank all of her songs, but I can tell you that Don't Blame Me is my favorite song. Her vocal range in that song is out of this world. But, like, her lower register, like, it just makes me feel like she's an alto. And as someone, like, I can't sing, but I did do chorus in, like, middle school. And I was always, like, made to be, like, the alto. So as someone who, like, kind of relates with that, I, I love it. I'm here for it. Yeah, she's definitely an alto. But Don't Blame Me, by far, is her best song vocally. Yeah, we, we can get into that whenever she releases Reputation, you know, Taylor's version, but we let we can move on from for now. So the phrase "reputation Taylor's version" is the scariest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I am not I ready for that. Like I'm, I'm so excited. Prepared for, for her. 1989 and Reputation because I think that like the vocals aren't going to be that different. Like she's not going to have that like kind of like youthful like. I was thinking this too earlier. I was like. I feel like 19, the easiest for her is probably going to be re-recording 1989, like the most recent albums. Yeah. They are so recent. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's easy for her. And also back what we were talking about earlier about like the emotion behind certain songs, that's those things that happened in 1989 and reputation are very much still relevant to her. So like I mean, she's able to like, express that emotion in her song. She can tap into Taylor, it. I mean, reputation is all about the same man she's with today. I know there are theories out there that we may or may not agree <laughs> with, but according to Taylor, they are all about Joe Allen. So, and she's still living that life. Like, and it's so, it's, I can't wait for it. Like, that's my, it's my favorite album. I'm going to go off on a tangent about it because I love it so much. But also, like, I feel like all four of us, we really, like, being as, seeing as we've all been, me and Bex and Lizzie and Bailey, we've all been Swifties since 2006, 2007. And for a lot of us to really relate, like, our personal relationships to Reputation, I feel like it's going to be, it's going to be one of the most fun albums for our podcast to cover oh yes i agree okay let's move on to the next question okay so so next question we kind of already answered some of us already answered but did your favorite fearless song change after listening to fearless taylor's version um well tell me why was not my favorite um i never disliked it but going into the album tell me why was not my favorite it was fearless and i still very much enjoyed fearless i guess 
because I already kind of talked about that, I guess to put a more interesting spin on the question, there's, there is one song I can think of that was very high on my ranking that didn't make a huge impression on me. And it was The Other Side of the Door. Yes! 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 Okay, that's what we've been talking about. Like, the emotion was not there. Like, I still loved it. Oh, okay, so I do have to say that before she starts the first chorus in Taylor's version of The Other Side of the Door, she, like, stops. Like, there's, like, a pause in the music, and I, like, I was like, I'm living for this. And then I was kind of, like, the chorus sounds very similar to, like, the original version. It's the verses for me that kind of are lacking. I think The Other Side of the Door was one of my favorite songs on the original, but I just feel like her re-recording, like, it just, it was underwhelming. Like, I was expecting it to be, like, big, you know, like, Something that I said in my notes, actually, I don't think it was my notes, I think I sent this in our group chat. I think that she was so, I guess, concerned with making sure that her vocals maybe sounded as similar as possible to the original that she held herself back vocally, obviously. So I think that's kind of it for me. Like, I really think that in the original, The Other Side of the Door, you you hear the desperation in her voice, like when she's singing this song and like, I don't know who it's about. I'm not going to sit here and speculate. There was, like, a desperation in her voice when she first released this song. And, like, whatever this song is about, she clearly is not feeling that type of way anymore. Like, obviously. And we love that for her. But that's what's missing. Like, I feel like she was really holding back on this song. I agree. I feel a little bit like it also might be my own fault. Because The Other Side of the Door was one of the only songs it was The Other Side of the Door and Fearless were really the only two songs that in my mind I hyped up. I was like, they are going to be so good. She's going to sing them and she's going to knock them out of the park and it's going to be the best thing you've ever heard. And The Other Side of the Door was good. It was you bad cannot be used to describe it in any way, shape or form. It was a perfectly good rendition of the song. But I think I was just expecting it to be like, this reinvention, this amazing, amazing, like artistic, bold explosion, because that's in my mind. I was like, those last 30 seconds of that song are so insane. I can't wait to hear what she does with them. And she did with them exactly what I should have expected. But I just, in my mind, I was just like, it's going to be so good. Yeah, I I think it leads, I I, I really think it's just she was holding back to try and sound more like the original. And I really think... I just, I don't want to say I was disappointed because that's not, I'm I'm never disappointed with any one of her songs. I just was overwhelmed because I think Steven's right. I was expecting some of these songs to be over the top and, oh my God, this, this wrecked me. And those two just weren't. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I was expecting more. Fear, not fearless, sorry. Forever and Always and... The Other Side of the door, the door. Those are the only two that I was kind of disappointed in. And it's not that they were bad at all. They were, I mean, like I said before, everything that Taylor does is better, in my opinion, than anything anybody else is doing. I I just, I wanted more. And maybe she's in a different place and that's why. Maybe she's trying to make them be sound-alikes. I don't know. But, I mean, this just, again, made me glad that I have the CDs of the original. <laughs> but... 
I also think that this is teaching me a kind of a lesson like for future reference and we were talking about this earlier like mm -hmm. for the future re-recordings when they drop I know I'm not gonna hold certain songs to expectations because you know what like it's gonna be what they are like I can't like overhype them like I did with Fearless it's so hard to say that my song, my favorite song changed because my favorite song changes all the time. I will say that typically Fearless is my favorite song on this album, but nice. Tell Me Why on Taylor's version, like I said, really speaking to me right now. So I always find ranking her songs difficult. So there's a good chance that I can't accurately answer this question. So <laughs> that's true. She just okay, so next question. What's your least favorite song on Fearless Taylor's version and why? Steven? Um, my least favorite song did not change from Fearless to Fearless Taylor's version. It's Superstar. I just have always felt that while Superstar is a perfectly fine song, for me, when it's surrounded by all of the other songs on Fearless, I'm just so underwhelmed by it, and I never have the, like, I never go to Fearless, and I'm like, I want to listen to Superstar right now. <laughs> um, so I just, for and while I do think I enjoyed Taylor's version more than I've ever enjoyed the original version, it's still just, like, I, this was the nail in the coffin for me, just accepting that Superstar doesn't do it for me. Yeah, I mean, that's totally fair. I will say something about the way she sings that song is really appealing to me, even in her version. Like, I don't want to say there's nothing special about that song because it is a Taylor Swift song. But sometimes I do get in the mood where I'm like, I want to listen to Superstar. <laughs> like, so, yeah, that's... I. I that's not one of my least favorites. I'm going to get canceled for my... I keep saying that I'm going to get canceled for things, but I'm definitely going to get canceled for my least favorite because it's You Belong With Me. And it's not that it's a bad song. It's that it is overhyped and overplayed. And that is the first song that anybody ever used in the history of the world to, like, say something bad about Taylor Swift. Like, in my mind... That's where it started. And maybe it has to do with the fact that that's the song she won an award for that Kanye came up on the stage and like bashed her for. And then the whole world was like, it's not even that good of a song. But that is my least favorite. And it's not because it's a bad song. It's an absolute banger. The, the, the chorus is a jam. Like I jam to that song. Like I sing, I scream it at the top of my lungs. But something about how I guess overplayed it was when it was first out. But compared to the fact that there are so many songs on this album and this is still the one that I feel like is so I mean it's like shake it off like it that it's that kind of level of overplayed almost and the fact that people use that song to like discredit her and say she only writes about boys which I hate I hate when people do that I think that 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 kind of leads into why that's my least favorite song on this album it definitely has pick me vibes I don't think that it does. Well, okay, so she did change a lyric in Taylor's version. And I sent this to our group chat. Steven, I don't know if you noticed. But in the first pre-chorus, the original lyric is, but she wears short skirts, I wear t-shirts. She changed it to, because she wears short skirts, I wear t-shirts. 
I think that changes it. The original song, I didn't think it was, I didn't think it had pick me vibes. I think that people kind of like misunderstood the lyrics and made it seem like it was pick me vibes, but changing it to cuz from butt when when I hear like butt she wears short skirts, I'm like, you belong with me, but I'm not good enough for you. And then when I hear cuz she wears short skirts, that kind of I mean that like leans into what everybody has said about the song that I feel like they've misunderstood. And I was really shocked that she changed that lyric. Bailey's looking up the lyrics right now. That's- You're right. <laughs> I just looked it up. You were you were correct. <laughs> You're right. It does. Listen, I noticed it's on the second listen of the Taylor's version of "You Belong with Me," I immediately switched to my like CD version of the song, and I was like, my jaw dropped. I was like, I can't believe she just did that. She did. She did. She did it. Okay, who? What is somebody else's least favorite okay, song? So my least favorite was "Forever and Always" because I just wanted it to be more than it was and we've already went over this but like i because i went to the concert fearless i was lucky enough to go and you like just see her throw a chair yes, on the and how how that even starts it's like an interview like and and the, the the line when she's like well the interview is like why do you write songs about like ex-boyfriends or whatever it was and she's like well boys shouldn't do bad things and it's like iconic and then it's like echoing like well boys shouldn't do bad things bad things bad things and then it's like she just breaks out into forever and always like i can see it clear as day in my mind and i just wanted that emotion in the in this version but it's okay like it it was still good it just wasn't what i expected and that's fine that's why it's my least favorite but the piano version is better i have to say Okay, Bailey, what was your least favorite? So, I kind of have three, but not that, like, I hate all of these songs. As <laughs> I can't really Um, But uh, Change has always been my least favorite on the album in general. I just, it, I never really fell in love with it. I, I just, I couldn't. <laughs> I, I couldn't. That song always reminds me of the 2008 Olympics. It, <laughs> it always just... it reminds me of that game that we used to play, or the what was it on the Wii? Yeah, was and that the was Wii? the only song that was on there. It was. It was my parents and had my potential a Wii, breakup song. and it was, and it was like a karaoke <laughs> version, and the only Taylor Swift songs yeah. that were on there were Change and, um, it was from Debut. I'm only know. me when I'm with you. Yes. And it just, I just for whatever reason, I just never. It was a, a weird I just like, never, game that we used to play. Or like a karaoke it was. thing. And I just, I never really fell in love with the song to begin with. So this, I just, I wasn't expecting much and I didn't really get much in return. And also forever and always, forever and always yeah. was always pretty high for me. But I just, it was. It was Why? the emotion that I just, it just wasn't there. And it's, it's not bad and that's okay. And I appreciate that it wasn't there for me this time because I do appreciate it. You know, she's going through a different experience and she's friends with Joe now and, and that's cool. I like that. Yeah, we love that. I think it's okay for us to be a little bit disappointed. I don't know. I think that like, 
so many people are so focused on everything she she does is perfect and like obviously she's not doing anything bad with this album i think it's okay like we're all going through like she lost her original version of it she lost something we lost something and i think it's fine to be you know i guess disappointed in some i don't know i don't want to say disappointed but you know what i mean like nostalgic yeah Yeah, i think it's fine to miss the originals because of the attachment that we have to it because what she's doing isn't bad but it's different like there's there are so many like different like inflections and like i was singing 15 in the car and there was like a different like not ad lip but she added like one extra word and my husband was like oh you got the words wrong and i was like well i mean she changed it so (laughs) like there's definitely there's definitely a toxic mentality present where personally disliking something people take that as if you are trying to convince them that they also should dislike it when in reality it's just like the song isn't for me it can be for you that's okay yeah everybody has opinions and it's okay for them to be different nobody is out here saying that taylor swift sucks like i mean Nobody, I mean, at least no Swifties are, obviously. Like, there are people out there saying that, but we don't pay attention to them because they're irrelevant. But, you know, I mean, I don't like... The only song that I can actually say that I do not like of Taylor's is um, Sweeter Than Fiction. And, like... No way. No way. Yeah, I can't... I don't listen to that song. I couldn't... I mean, I don't think that it's necessarily bad, but I don't like it. And I have gone on rants about it before. But if somebody else likes it, like, that's their prerogative. I'm not going to tell them they're wrong just because I disagree. Yeah. I also have another one. And I feel like we're going to get there eventually, but it's... Yeah, we'll get to the vault song. (laughs) It just... yeah, so we'll just, but you can just, just say that it's Don't You and we can move on and we can talk about it when we get there. Yes. Bex, what's your least favorite song? So my least favorite song is Bye Bye Baby. Really? And yeah, like, I felt it was lyrically kind of weak, which I'm not going to hold against her because she was really young. And it also felt really misplaced with this album. It I felt thought- like a song that would be yeah, off it felt more like of, like, a debut, debut versus I, Fearless. I, it was very croony, you know what I'm saying? Like that country, like croon, and yeah, I just it didn't. I felt the same, the exact same way. The first time I listened to it, I was like, "This sounds like it was meant for debut." Like, so it it threw me off, I think, because I was not expect, especially coming from like Mister Perfectly Fine, which is like without a doubt, like you can tell that was a fearless written era song. Like it has. Anyway, the production, the lyrics, her inflection are all indicative of Fearless. Like, there's, I will die on that hill that she wrote that during the Fearless era and that it also deserved to be on the album. And I'm very mad it got cut. But, like, this one, it, like, really threw me for, like, a tailspin. I was like, where where did this come from? Like, you know, I would have expected that for debut for sure. So, yeah. I agree. I agree. Okay, so um, what is your favorite song from the vault, and why? I have to, I have to go with Mister Perfectly Fine. Just like I don't even know how to explain. It's just like leagues ahead of the other five, and I enjoyed, I enjoyed 
four out of the other five. Mr. Perfectly Fine is just like, it's in a league of its own. It's so good. I agree. Yeah, mm-hmm. that yeah. That's my favorite. If I weren't going to say Mr. Perfectly Fine because it's the obvious answer, I would actually say that's Lynn. Um, me that, too. One, that one surprised me. And I was never like a country music like super fan. Like I listened to Taylor Swift. I listened to Carrie Underwood. I listened to Miranda Lambert. Darius Rucker that's about it like I mean the popular country music but like Keith Urban was never I I I couldn't tell you another song that he's done and I know that that's bad (laughs) because he's so popular but I was really surprised by that's when and I will say that I was trying to look at the lyrics because I like to have the lyric I like to know the lyrics when I'm listening to a song and Genius usually is pretty good with their lyrics, but the lyrics they had were wrong. And so, so, okay, so basically the way that that's when goes, she's like, I broke your heart, like I did something wrong, and you are saying, I asked when I can come back, and you said you can come back, that's when, like, you know what I'm trying to say. That's kind of like the gist of the song. Like Keith Urban's like character is saying when she can come back. But in the lyrics that Genius has, Taylor was the one who was heartbroken. Like not the one doing the heartbreaking. And I don't know if that's like something that they messed up. Or if the original like unreleased version. If that's how it was. Because... I will say that there are a lot of unreleased songs that I have never heard. The only one that I had ever even heard a snippet of from this album was Bye Bye Baby. And I don't even think that it was called Bye Bye Baby, like when it was an unreleased song. I couldn't tell you what it was called, but I've heard that chorus before. But I guess when it was an unreleased song, and I like, like I said, I couldn't tell you because I don't know because... I don't know. <laughs> the dark blue Tennessee people were really elitist and they would not share their collection of unreleased songs with me. And it's so frustrating that I just eventually gave up on trying to find unreleased songs for Taylor after like 2009. So I don't know. But if Genius has the original lyrics and not the updated ones, then she changed it. And I love that. I love her making herself the heartbreaker. Like it, like she flips the script. I think I was the most excited for That's When off of From the Vault. And I really think it was because after she released the whole video with the vault and, you know, decoding or whatever, like, I just, I was so excited because we all knew it was going to be featuring Keith Urban. And I was so excited for a Keith Urban collab because I really thought it was going to bring us back to her original country roots. And I was not disappointed. I love this song and their harmonies together. It's very brief. I swear Um, there have been so many songs. There's been so many songs that she's released since folklore that should have been like top, like of the country charts. Like nobody, no crime should have been like number one on the country charts. Like, Right where you left me, she should have released that as a single. That would have, like, I, when that song came out, I was like, she is showing us all that she can still do country and she can still, like, rule that genre. That's one of my favorite songs ever of hers. But I hope that she releases That's When as a single to country radio. So, like, I don't know. Maybe I'm, like, selfish and I, I just want her to be good at everything. The country charts, like, she is 
it's number one like for it is number one like yeah it's it the album itself is good oh yeah but i my i guess favorite vault song is mr perfectly fine but also it is we were happy i was kind of disappointed in that one really i liked it i don't know I mean, we liked it, but that was the one that I was most excited for. But I was like, I, I literally was like, who? I, I guess it's just taking me back to my high school self. I was like, who was she wanting to like buy a farm with? Like, who is this about? Like, this is this is some tea. This doesn't feel real. Like, what? <laughs> I like I liked how it sounded. Like, I liked like the production of it the most out of the. Uh, Miss Perfectly Fine was obviously my favorite, though. But if we, and this wasn't a question that I prepared, but for least favorite, and we mentioned this one, Bailey, or when, who mentioned it? The Don't You. Me. Bailey, yeah. That song just, it's not a bad song. It just doesn't sound like it belongs on Fearless. And I 100% think that that's Jack's fault. Love him, but that song sounds like it should be on, like, 1989 or Love. Yes. It has You Are In Love. It sounds very similar to You Are In Love. And it also has, I th- I'd have to look at it, um, very similar to the Archer, but yeah. it could potentially be in the same key. I have yeah. to look. To me, like a song I don't have perfect that was pitch. a big in like the 1980s, early 90s. Like it, it has like that pop, which is a very Jack Antonoff trope. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? So like, it, it sounds, sounds just like, like him. Pop song. The like, oh, 100%. You listen to that song, you're like, Jack produced this. Yeah, like yeah. I double checked well, I also just to make that sure. About Mr. Like, Perfectly Fine. Before I even checked the credits, I was like, Jack totally produced Mr. Perfectly Fine. Like this has his hand, this has his fingerprints all over it. But like, Don't You is just the only not country song, not even a little bit country song on the album. And that doesn't mean it's not good. But for me, I'm just like, it's my least favorite vault song because it just doesn't sound like it belongs on Fearless. When you first brought up that you were like, eh, on Don't You, I was sitting here, I was like, oh no, not me having my favorite vault lyric be from Don't You written on my index card ready to talk about that. (laughs) But now now that you say that like it doesn't fit, that makes so much sense. And now I'm realizing like I'm processing that. Yeah, I like the song because it sounds like Jack, not because it sounds like Fearless. It doesn't sound like Fearless at all. Yeah. I feel like the vault songs are unmistakably produced by Jack. And I love that. I really do. Like, it just, it really gives us it. She almost comes full circle with it. Like, none of the original songs on Fearless are produced by Jack. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, No, they didn't. You know, but now they are. And that's, that's who she is now. And that's okay. And I love that. But they are unmistakably produced by Jack. Or Aaron Dessner. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just... And you can tell it's Aaron Dessner because his version of a country song is some harmonicas. Like, he's like, oh, country, let's add a harmonica to it. He definitely goes the more Irish route of country. Is You know, that it started, you know, that's how country music got its start, was in Irish grassroots. Yeah, let's talk to the redhead here and see how she knows it. You All Over Me sounds so similar to the beginning of Peace every single time. I'm like, oh my god, it's Peace starting, and no, it's You All Over Me. Like we were saying, like, Don't You is not a bad song. It just doesn't feel like it's fit. it fits. And another song from a different album that I skip 
not because it's a bad song, but because I feel like it doesn't fit, is long story short. Like, I pretty much, if I'm listening to Evermore, I skip it because it gets me out of that, like, I don't know, Evermore makes me feel really, like, witchy and, like, folksy. Like, and then long story short, is pop. Like, it's a pop song, so I, I, I skip it. But if I'm shuffling Taylor's music, I will listen to that song. So I feel like it's going to be the same with Don't You?, because it just doesn't, I mean, I'm going to listen to it with the, the album over and over and over again as I'm trying to, like, learn all these new songs and learn everything that's new about this album. But eventually it's going to get to the point where I'll probably skip it because it just doesn't, it doesn't fit to me. So I'm curious, Stephen, you said that your favorite line was from Don't You. What is your favorite line? Don't say you missed me if you don't want me again. You don't know how much I feel I love you still, so why don't you? That's a really good line. That's a good okay. one. I didn't have to, that like, is... didn't have to throw all of that out there. Like, <laughs> I feel like she had to go that hard with it. Yeah. Don't You was one of the songs when I was listening. I literally just sat like this for the whole run of the song because I just was, it just washed over me. Everything that she was saying, I was just like, this is so sad i'm so sad and then bye bye baby started and i was like oh okay okay (laughs) i guess i'm okay now (laughs) i feel like i like bye bye baby only because i've heard it before and so it like feels familiar to me i will say i was super disappointed that i'd lie and like permanent marker were not (laughs) the vault songs on this album mark Y'all, okay, I don't know how many times I have to say this. I Heart Question Mark is not going to be a vault song because it's not unreleased. It's on the Beautiful Eyes EP. I will grab the CD for you. I have it. It's not an unreleased song. I think it will be on Taylor's version. I think it will be on Taylor's version of the debut album. I think she's going to put all of the Beautiful Eyes EP on that album. But it's not going to be a vault song because it's not unreleased. Yeah. I feel like by the time you get to Bye Bye Baby, because it's so many freaking songs on the album, I'm like, done. <laughs> like, I'm like, Taylor, you've taken me. I'm done. Like, let's let this be over. And that song is just like, so like, okay. <laughs> I was I was emotionally eviscerated yes. before we even got to White Horse. But I know. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I will say I really enjoyed We Were Happy. And just seeing the growth, because I feel like it's happiness is baby sister. There's a lot of like lines in that song that it has the same vibe as happiness where you're looking back on a relationship with like some fondness. And so just seeing that was really like, it was good. And then also breathe. I noted this and I wrote it down. I have to get this out here because we're going to like forget and I'm going to (laughs) forget. We need to probably do, like, a whole, like, maybe podcast episode alone on comparing, like, these Fearless songs to, like, her more recent albums. But Breathe, the lyric is, music starts playing at the end of a sad movie. It's the kind of ending you you really don't want to see. Exile, I think I've seen this film before and I didn't like the ending. The growth. We've done this so many times in so many of our episodes, and every time I'm dumbfounded. I don't have anything to say. But it's so good to see that growth, you know? Yeah. No, and then, like, also, I think it's really interesting to listen to these vault songs because she's definitely taken pieces of these vault songs and turned them into other songs like You All Over Me, 
definitely has clean vibes. Like literally, I feel like there are lyrics that are directly lifted and taken because I, I mean, I'm sure she thought that these songs were never going to see the the light of day. And so she was like, let me just recycle what something, something that nobody's heard. And then like Mr. Perfectly Fine, I've seen TikToks where people are comparing the lyrics to obviously Mr. Casually Cruel. Mm-hmm all too well I got that right away I was like hmm which is why I take so much issue with people saying it's about Joe Jonas because they're like this sounds just like this song that's about Joe Jonas and it's like well is it about Jake Gyllenhaal too because of this line like you can't just pick and choose like we don't know we don't know what these songs are about anymore it's not relevant I think she's definitely taken some of those lyrics and something that kind of like amazes me is after hearing her interview with people and her saying that she literally took, she went line by line to like go through each melody. So that's not just like listening to the lyrics. Like she's literally like breaking apart the production of the song and listening to them, like her, like her melodies and like her backup singers melodies and everything like that to see what she could have made better. I'm not surprised that if she started this process in November of 2020, we see some of like, the parallels to Evermore because that's when that's I mean that's like the tail end of when she was writing Evermore so we've talked about it in previous episodes about how some of the Evermore songs sound like the big sisters to her earlier songs and I'm not surprised after hearing her talk about how she started this process of re-recording first of all how does she have the time Ma'am, do you sleep? Between her and like Zane Lowe or whoever it was with, I don't remember. Oh, the Apple Music guy? Yeah, 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 yeah. And she was saying like she would go from like recording, re-recording like some stuff from like Fearless or like earlier stuff and then be recording like Evermore. And like, so that you, I can't imagine like she's going back and forth between like her new stuff and her older stuff. And like, it's got to blend. It's obvious that there would be some crossover, and I love it. I love it. I feel like, I mean, it's kind of like, I don't know about you guys, but the first time I heard Daylight and she was like, I used to think love would be burning red, but it's golden. The feeling of that and knowing immediately that that was her referencing red, I love hearing her reference her older albums and her new work. Called Gross. We love it. Gross. You love her. The other side of the door yeah. kind of has references to like mm-hmm. her the little black dress and Tim McGraw. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Okay. So I feel like we may have already covered this a little bit, but have your fearless rankings changed after listening to Fearless Taylor's version? I'll be honest. For me, it's too soon to tell. Yes. Yes. I I think about when I listened to Evermore for the first time. That night, I was able to post my first ranking of Evermore. I did it after one listen, and it very quickly changed, but I was able to gather my thoughts and be like, okay, this is my first impression. This I've been thinking about it all day, and I can't decide on how I would possibly list these 26 songs. Like, I know a rough idea of what would be low, and I know a rough idea of what would be high. But to put them in a specific order... Impossible. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I agree. Same. I said that, like I said this before, like, if you ask me if my rankings have changed, yes, they have changed, but could I tell you how? 
no. <laughs> like, I know they have, like, I know my favorite song has changed, like, my number one favorite. And I know, like, of course things are different with the new Vault songs. And also with just, like, how the re-recordings sound differently in different ways. But I couldn't tell you exactly. It's just too many songs, and I haven't listened to it enough to actually clarify, like, what the rankings for each, you know, song, so. Yeah, this is an almost two-hour-long album. (laughs) I've listened to it one time all the way completely through, and then today I was just, like, trying to get through it again, and it's so long and it's not like I didn't want to listen to it, but I had even being off work, I had stuff to do and just couldn't sit there and listen to it because it just, it takes so long. Yeah. (laughs) Not complaining, but yeah, it's, I I need to listen to it more. I already find it very difficult to rank her songs, her albums. (laughs) Like I can tell you what my favorites are. I can tell you what my least favorites are. Everything in the middle. It's like, yeah, I don't it's know. Like a clusterfuck. <laughs> it's all jumbled in the middle. Like it's just like all of these songs that are. It, it's like it's like the Volt video she released. Yeah, it's just like all jumbled, <laughs> and it's like you just kind of have to decide which one is like, which because you songs, don't know. There are some songs I don't have like any like I don't like it, but I or I like it, but I don't not like it. Like it's like they're okay, and I'm I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how like I feel with you belong with me. Like it's yeah, it's very overplayed. I don't not like it, but it's not yeah. My you know, like so one hundred percent. And it, there's a lot of songs on this album that I feel that way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's very different from my rankings from like Evermore, where like I I love every song almost. Like there's mm-hmm. like so it's like really hard for me to rank that one but this one it's different the reason why it's so hard for me to rank is just because there's so freaking many yeah i mean until i got on tiktok the concept of ranking taylor swift songs was like i was like people don't do that because they're all good you can't pick so it's like what you're saying like we're we're attached to these songs i mean lizzie literally has fearless tattooed on her body i do This should be our closing thoughts, too. Like, does anybody have any closing thoughts? Yeah, I feel like Steven has to have so many closing thoughts because he came prepared with note cards. Like, he did. With you, Steven, don't hold back because you probably think we're a bunch of crazy people. We are. Steamrolled over. (laughs) This was much better than it would have been had it just been, here's the question, now let's go in a circle, each answer it, and then we'll move on and it'll be over in 20 minutes. So, Steven had very low expectations. (laughs) (laughs) I feel happy that we exceeded his expectation. That means the bar was on the floor. (laughs) That's fair. fair. Just by, like, our Instagram following, which is, like, we don't have a huge Instagram following. Or the fact that we're never on the TikTok FYP. (laughs) That, too. Yeah, we can't get past 64 followers on Instagram. We, like, we'll get to 64, and then people will be like, eh, never mind, and unfollow us. We just want Taylor Swift to notice us, okay? That's all. I just want to be invited to a secret session. I want to hug Taylor Swift. I don't ask for a lot in life. I just want for a mega famous superstar I Taylor Swift to bake a cookies with her. Like I just I want just... to go through the whole experience <laughs> of baking cookies. But if any of us has a chance of being invited to a secret session, it's, it's Steven. Steven. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 
that people say to me, they're like, you know, she probably already knows who you are, right? I'm like, no, she doesn't. No, she doesn't. Because if I think about that, I think I might like cave in on myself and die. So I'm just going to go with the fact that because I've never been noticed to my knowing, she doesn't know who I am. As far as concerned, I don't know. That's a fair like way to think about it. Now, when Taylor Nation, it's going to happen. When they like something that you post, you know she's seen it. Has, has Taylor Nation liked anything? No, I've I have never had any interaction in any way, shape, or form with any like official Taylor affiliated anything. The closest Whoa. I've gotten, it's the closest happen. I've gotten, when she was going on Good Morning America to announce Fearless, I posted yeah. a TikTok and I was like, "She's going on, and I think she's going to announce Love Story, and I honestly think she might announce all of Fearless." And one of the producers from Good Morning America reached out to me and asked for permission to use the TikTok on the show. <laughs> he didn't use it, but I he posted it. I was about to say, on- I watched that. What? Um, but he posted it on his story, and he was like, "The whole Good Morning America team is like sending love and stuff." And so, in the back of my mind, sometimes I'm like, "If Taylor was going on Good Morning America, she might have watched his story." Yeah. So she that's might a, That's a huge possibility. Yeah. Yeah. But again, no way to know. And no so for my know. sanity, I will be continuing to say she doesn't know who I am. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, she they don't call it Tay lurking for nothing. She may, she may, and you just don't know. I mean, the theories about like the Jack Leopards TikTok obviously <gasps> were a bust, but I mean if we've learned anything from Demi Lovato, it's that celebrities have fake accounts with fake names where they, like, talk shit. Mm-hmm. So someone out there has got to be Taylor. Yeah. My and- favorite my favorite Jack Leopard's account thing, and this will be my last, I promise, but with Jack Leopard's, the moment that I knew it was not Taylor, they came into one of my lives. And at this point, I still was kind of like, it could be her. Like, I have no reason to firmly believe it isn't. They came in and they just sent 13 hearts like they always did. They didn't actually say any words or anything. And then they sent me a gift and gifts on live translate into money. And I was like, no way. And I went and I looked and their gift had a monetary equivalent of one cent. And when (laughs) I saw that, I was like, there's no way Taylor Swift came in and said, no. I'm going to send him one cent. I'm, I'm feeling generous. Like, there's yeah. no way this woman who gives out $3,000 when she sees people struggling in the pandemic, if she's going to send something, it's going to be worthwhile. Yes. Yeah. Like, also, if she has a fake account, she's not going to be as obvious as to call it Jack Leopards. Like, it's not going to be that obvious. I'm going to be so excited for you when you get to go to... Um, of a secret session and when you're there you have to tell her to listen to our podcast that's our only request i'll make a t-shirt with the logo on it and i'll show up and i'll be like have you heard of it because i think you should <laughs> yes, yes i love it you're the real mvp right now <laughs> Uh, did we actually ever talk about final thoughts? <laughs> I don't know, but I feel so bad for Steven. I feel like we've just like steamrolled over him. We really have. Absolutely. Entire time. 
No. We steamroll over each other all the time, so it was only natural. Don't worry, Stephen. The next time you come on the podcast, you'll know to just steamroll us back. <laughs> that is if you want to come back, because... No, that's I- true. But I'm I'm, we were thinking that it could be fun to have you on for all of the re-recording special episodes. That, I would be totally into that. This was so much fun. Like, I seriously had so much fun getting to talk. Like I said at the start, getting to talk about this with people who are as excited as I was. It's just like, ah, it's so exciting. It's so nice to get, like, in-depth about, like, certain things that you get really excited about, like, as a true fan. Because I feel like a lot of times when you're a fan, Taylor especially, the conversations you have to, like, have are just constantly, like, the basic repeated conversations of okay she's been in a relationship for five years she doesn't only write songs about her exes you don't get to talk about the stuff like you really want to like get into and like delve deep into like let's talk about lyric comparisons yeah <laughs> who has closing thoughts who who's gonna do that, that Steven, was- take it away steven yes steven yeah steven go for it putting you on the spot well before i close thoughts about the album i just want to say thank you so much for having me on this was so much fun i was so happy to be here and so happy to get to do this and talk about this i like seriously cannot express my gratitude enough um and then closing thoughts on taylor's version i just it's such an exciting thing to really think about i know way back at the start when we were talking her saying in summer of 2019, like, yeah, in November of 2020, I can start this process and like, I'm excited to do it. It didn't feel like something real. Like November of 2020 felt like this far distant mystical place that we were never actually gonna get to. Yeah. Now here we are, she's already done Fearless. We know she's done Wildest Dreams. For all we know, she's done all five of her first albums. Like, we truly have no way of knowing how far along she is. And just knowing that we've officially entered this time when we're going to get to relive all of these amazing, amazing pieces of work that she's put out throughout her career in such a quick time span. Because if the space that she put between Evermore and Fearless is any indication, she really doesn't care about giving the albums time to breathe. She's just going to get her music out there. So, well, I think at this point, she knows she's doing it for us. Yeah, like exactly. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like knowing that we've officially entered that place. And I know a lot of people were confused and frustrated that she didn't start with debut and that she started with Fearless. But honestly, it feels so appropriate that Fearless was what started this re-recording process for the world because I think it was Ubex who said it earlier, that Fearless was what made her an international star. So this, choosing to use this album, the album that made her a household name, to remind the world like, hey, not only am I still here, not only am I still relevant, but I'm about to own my entire body of work and you should support me on it. It's just like such a cool thing for her to be doing. And the fact that it went number one, so great. Because while she's not, like, I know she's not doing it for the charts and for the success and all this stuff. I do think it's really, really important that they be successful. Because you know the media would jump at the chance to say, oh, Taylor Swift's re-recording Endeavor debuts at number three. Is it even worth it? Is she going to finish it? So the fact that she's doing this and finding the success, I couldn't be more happy for her right now. I just am, like... 
it there is no better time in history to be a Taylor Swift fan, and that is that is what I will say about what happened. Yeah, Steven. Yes. 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 One hundred percent agree with everything that you said. She started with Fearless because it's still her best-selling album. It's it's sold more than 1989. I know 1989 stands hate to hear that, but. She sold 12 million worldwide copies of Fearless, so it only makes sense for her to start with this album. And my closing thoughts are just, like, I've really loved this experience of reliving being a 14-year-old. And, like, I can I can remember being excited and, like, hearing her promo singles for the first time. So, like, hearing White Horse on Grey's Anatomy and, like, stuff <laughs> like that. Like, I I can remember that feeling, and it just, it really takes me back, but it's so nice to hear it from her now. But you know what I mean? Like, I have loved the nostalgia of this. I've loved it, and even though some of these songs are not necessarily different in a bad way, but just different from what I remember, I'm excited to relearn them. I agree, and I also think that I just feel like growing up, I feel like if you told people you were a Taylor Swift fan, like they would judge you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I just feel like, yeah, I am a Taylor Swift fan. Like, what of it? What Recently, are you going to do about it? Like, I love being a Taylor Swift fan. And if you're not a Taylor Swift fan, what is wrong with you? Yeah, at this point, really, though. <laughs> Recently, I had a friend tell me, like, that they made fun of our podcast. And, like, made fun of the fact that, like, we even, like, talk about, like, Taylor Swift as much as we talk about her. And you know what? Like, I don't even care if they think that. Because, like, when moments, like, we really, like, listening to Fearless for the first time again happens, I'm, like, reminded of how special Taylor has been to me in my life. And how, like, she has literally saved my life in more ways than one. Like... Where I was the down in the dumps, like I felt like I had no point of return and I listened to some of her songs and felt better and felt connected to the world. And you know what, like that's all that matters. And like those haters out there, like haters are gonna hate, 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 hate. And that's all I'm gonna say. Bex, you got any closing thoughts? Yeah, I just, listening to this album, it's been a really special experience because she did this for us, for her family fans like truly and I know she makes every album for her fans but like instead of going the like legal route by trying to find a legal loophole to buy back her masters she re-recorded this these albums for us so we as fans could have this and not have that guilt weighing on our shoulders of potentially giving money to people who are undermining her and her her life's work and her art and obviously we're not the only deciding factors, but just it just makes it so much more special that she came back and it's because of us, like, and the fans. It's just, she's always loved her fans so much and she's always been such a gracious artist who's done just so much. And so it's like, it, it comes out, like, in these moments and, like, with this album and just hearing her mature voice and just being able to, like, relive that nostalgia from an adult perspective now and being able to listen to those those songs it's just been really great well thank you so much for joining us steven thank you so much much. we love you thank you so much for taking three and a half hours if you don't follow 
follow Steven on TikTok. What are you doing with your life? Steven yes. Sully one. Get out there. Follow him. He does the best Taylor Swift con- content. Also, he talks about he really like, does. stuff too. So if you're like me and you love Marvel as well, like get at yeah. it. Thanks everyone for listening to our podcast and a special thanks for Steven for joining us today. So <laughs> yeah. follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok to get updates on next episodes. Handles for our social media accounts can be found in the description. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. And we look forward to doing more of these in the future. Yay. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you so much, Stephen. You're the best. It's been so so great to talk to you. I can't wait.